Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, welcome to the Utah Puck Report. I'm your host, Jay Stevens. Hey, this is me, Gary Michaels. I'm finally here. Gary's finally here. Did you have a good holiday? Yeah, mine was fantastic. Okay. Yeah, mine was good. I I made it into the studio. Josh and I were the only ones that were around the building at the time. (laughs) But uh, it was good. Yeah, I just uh, hung out low-key at the house. Low-key, nice. That's basically, my daughter was home, mm-hmm. and I said, all right, what do you want to do? You're, you're in town for two weeks. We've got all this stuff we can do. And she's like, I don't want to do anything. <laughs> she's like, at my school, we do we move nonstop. Mm-hmm. You know, she's a, she has to be up every morning at 5.30, and she's just like, I literally just want to stay home, and that's what we did, mostly. Man. So it was cool. The, I understand. I understand. Uh, very special guest today, uh, Tim Mauser. Tim, how are you? I'm good, fellas. Welcome. Tim, you're kind of, I feel like uh, we're bringing out the big dog today because, <laughs> I mean, when I was, uh, you know, new to hockey and when the Utah Grizzlies were first coming to town, uh, you're, you're the guy. You're the, you're the guy that, you're kind of the binding that put the whole book together. Well, I, you know, it's, it's kind of one of those things, you know, somebody's got to be the glue and, you know, being a little sticky here and there and, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, it, it, it's one of those things that Utah had had hockey and had hockey for a long time, and, you know, it had left and uh, was kind of left for dead by Larry Miller and the uh, the jazz organization there when the Delta Center, you know, got up and running in the IHL. And, you know, it's, it's the old, how do you make a small fortune in sports? You start or a large fortune in sports, you start with a small one, and that's where you end up <laughs> at with uh, hockey, unfortunately. Is, yeah. You know, it's... it's, it's, it's it's not the financial windfall that I think everybody would like to think it is. Right. And well, and we were talking right before we went on air. Uh, we're we're a half hour late from where we were supposed to be because we got bumped out of the studio by Scott Mitchell and the football podcast or whatever they're doing. And uh, like you said, you, hockey ranks just below uh, church basketball when it comes to Utah. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, it was it was a great opportunity. You know, with the build up for the Olympics. And I, I think once the Olympics uh, came and went, the interest, I won't say peaked at that point, but uh, it, it, it certainly that was, you know, at least in my mind, was the highlight of it. Yeah, I can yeah. see that. So, Tim, before we get into all that, because I have questions, and I, I imagine you're going to be pretty candid. You've always, you've always had a way of just uh, saying what you believed, and uh, I have a couple questions for you when we get into it. But first, I really want to get to know... Uh, you know, what led up to you coming to Utah? I know you were a pro before that. Can you tell us a little bit about, you know, growing up playing hockey and where you played? 
Well, I'm uh, Peoria, Illinois is my hometown, uh, the cultural mecca of Illinois. <laughs> you know, there's uh, me, me and Richard Pryor, the two famous people to come out of there, along with Paps Blue Ribbon, I think, the three things Peoria was known for. Nice. Uh, yeah, no, I uh, had some uh, neighbors that played and started playing on the outdoor rinks and went uh, to Michigan State Hockey Camp as a boy and met a coach there who took me to uh, the State University of New York at Geneseo and, you know, went there on a scholarship and played hockey and bounced around the minors after that a little bit. You know, being, you know, the, the whole game is switched. It used to be as a 5'8 to 6-foot goalie, you were, you were, you know, you know, respected, you were good size, it wasn't an issue. Now, if you're not 6'3 to 6'5, the goalie's the biggest guy in the team now. Yeah. The forwards are all now. The, the forwards are five five because you can't hook anybody, you can't hit anybody, you can't beat anybody up. So the little shifty fast guy <laughs> is now is now taken over where the goalies are six five. They go down and get hit by it. Yeah. You know, it's it's really changed the game. So I was fortunate to play in a time that uh, you know you didn't have to be big, you had to be quick, you know, you had to be a, a much better. I won't say athlete because that may not be true, but. The equipment, Jay, and you can certainly uh, attest to this, the equipment sucked back in the day. You had deer hair pads that were leather that weighed 50 pounds by the time you were done. And, you know, you had felt on your arms. There wasn't any plastics. You had to catch everything. You had to be a better-than-average, you know, goalie with your glove, or you came home bruised, battered, and cut. Oh, yeah, really bruised up. And you're right, those pads. And you, you, I still leave mine upside down, even though I don't need to. But at the, yeah. end of, at the end of every practice, the end of every game, you took your pads and you set them upside down so that the deer hair went back to the top of the pad, and, uh, and we waited for them and to dry deer out. Hair, deer hair is hollow, is why they ended up using that back in the day. And, you know, I don't know if there were Canadians hitting, car, hitting deers with their cars, and they had a bunch of them laying around on the road. They're shaving these poor deers and stuffing goalie pads with their hair. I'm not sure what the deal with that was, but that's what they ended up with, uh... So, no, I went to college, played four years, had a good career, uh, you know, held a few records here and there at the time and got out and, you know, bounced. You know, there was a lot of, you know, crappy minor league teams at that point. The Atlantic Cocktail League was around. The <laughs> North American League was around. You know, so if, if you had gas in your car and desire, you could kind of be a professional hockey player if you wanted to. You know, you're making 300 bucks a week. You know, somebody was driving the van to the game. I ended up playing in the Continental Hockey League for the then Decatur Storm. And, uh, you know, it was who's driving the van and you're, you know, smoking cigarettes in the locker room between periods. Oh, yeah. But, you know, you were getting you were getting paid. And, Living the life, yeah. You know, not much. Yeah, you were not much. And, I mean, you know, people were cheering for you and stuff like that. So, uh, you know, it didn't suck. You know, it was all right. I had a college degree, so... At some point, you know, I knew there was uh, there was something that was going to happen, uh, you know, after that. How many years did you play pro? I played about two and a half on and off. You know, I uh, I ended up going to work uh, and ended up, you know, sitting on the bench in New Haven a couple nights and, you know, played a, a couple games in Peoria for the IHL team Then spent a couple, you know, seasons between, you know, and pro may be an adverse term in this you know, I mean, you were getting paid. Were you a pro? Yeah, I guess in, in the scope of things you were a pro, but yet, you know, the IHL back in the day was an amateur league. That's how Micah Ruzioni was able to play for the Olympics in 80 because they didn't classify the IHL when he was playing in Toledo for the then Gold Diggers as a professional league. Wow. So when amateurs, 
you know, weren't allowed to play in the Olympics, they classified those guys as amateurs because they weren't either the uh, financial equivalent or they weren't on under NHL contracts or what it was. But uh, yeah, I mean, it was a good time. I, you know, I, you know, I got a couple hundred stitches from it, and uh, you know, I'm not sure, you know, if I'm ready to send my brain for the CTE deal or not. But you know, wearing a fiberglass mask and you know those, you know, it was the hey, how many fingers? And the answer was always two. Right. You know? Right. You know, you, you work that out with the team doctor ahead of plans. I'm going to ask you how many fingers if you get hit in the head. And the answer is always two, and you know, just stay in there. <laughs> no, I'm surprised they even asked to tell you the truth because. Oh no, I mean, yeah. You know, there were games that I, there were games that I played that I know for a fact that I was concussed during the games, and they didn't. Nobody bothered to check or worry about it, right. and then. Oh no. The next I mean, mor- the next playing. morning. Yeah. The next morning, you wake yeah. up and people are telling you, "Oh yeah, you remember you played yesterday?" I'm like, no, I have no idea. I have no yeah. idea how I got. I, the one of the first times I was in Colorado, and I was like, "I I don't even remember coming to Colorado. <laughs> I lost. You know, you lose a couple days that way." Wow. Oh no, I mean, I'm still playing. Uh, matter of fact, I have a game tonight at ten forty uh, in the forty and over league. You know, yeah. I got new oh, yeah. gear. I got new. I got new bathroom goalie gear that uh, is retro, so it's light. I, I look like I belong. I, like I say, I. I, I'm a hell of a lot better in a slideshow than I am a movie. <laughs> <laughs> so you got the old retro pads. You're in brown leather looking yep. pads and bathroom. Yep. Okay, yep. that's great. Yeah, yeah. No, uh, Scott does, Scott does a great job, and you know they're light and they're big. You know, I mean, I like I said, I, I kind of hide behind them, and you know, if it hits me, great. If it doesn't, the beer's still cold afterwards. So that's <laughs> that's. that's, that's, that's you know, I, I use it as a shield. I can't really tell my wife that, hey, at 10.30 at night, I'm going out and drinking beer and having chicken wings with the guys. But <laughs> as hockey is a shield, yeah. you know, I can go out and I got a hockey game and she fully expects that I'm having a beer and staying afterwards. So it's a, it's a win-win for me. Yeah, yeah, and then my wife gives me credit for working out, too. She's like, well, you worked out today. That was pretty good. I'm like, oh, I guess. I mean, if that's what we're going to call it. Yeah, absolutely. Men's league, yeah. Hey, you know, our well, goalie, no, our- I I was going to say our goalie on our team. He's twenty one, and he has those same pads. Those retros. Yep. Yeah, that's he awesome. just got them. Nice. He loves them. He looks great. Yeah, I came in wearing the brown stuff, and I'm probably going out wearing the brown stuff. You know, and, and people say, "What are you still playing for?" Well, at some point, I won't be able to. You know, so uh, I'm going to do it till I can't. You know, I you see the stuff about the eighty year old, seventy year old guys, and say, "I'm sixty one." And, uh, you know, can still get the job done on most nights. So, you know, they went past five guys. How can it be my fault at the goal? <laughs> Man, that's a question I ask a lot. Like, hey, I, you know, that. can't we just all accept blame for that and not yell at me and <laughs> yeah. we'll just move on and be happy? I'm just, <laughs> no, exactly. no question. Just be glad we're here. Well, that's exactly. cool. Exactly. So, so you played your pro career and at some point you got into coaching? Yeah, I was, uh, I, I was. You know, I played in some IHL alumni deals. I ended up moving uh, to Toledo. My wife is from Adrian, Michigan, which is just over the border in uh, in Michigan from Toledo, Ohio. And I was in the hotel business, and I was working for a Sheraton Hotel in Toledo. And the uh, East Coast League had just blossomed. And I, you know, I, I had played uh, one of the games I played for Peoria was in Toledo against Toledo, so I knew some of those guys. And uh, Chris McSorley. Marty's uh, older brother was uh, the coach, and he and I had become friends, and they had just started the team there, and they didn't have anybody run it. A guy named Barry Sostin, who now is uh, one of the principal owners in the Federal League, uh, brought the team there. And you could buy a hockey team for $50,000. Wow. It was the franchise fee, and 
This would have been 1991, I think, uh, in Toledo. The franchise fee was 50 grand. You know, it was about 7,200 a week in uh, payroll. Between you know, you you know, you played you know 18, six and two, and had one extra guy sitting on the bench. And you know, it was it was it was old time. You know, they I went to a hockey game or, uh, or I went to a fight, and a hockey game broke out. Oh yeah, in the old in the old sports arena. And, you know, uh, I was a sales and marketing guy who knew hockey, and that's really that's you know similar to what happened with me in Utah. And you know, uh, I used to say there's a lot of people that don't know they're hockey fans yet. You just have to get them to the game, and I'm sure that's still the case. You know, it's it's not the uh, you know the first thing on everybody's mind is hey, let's go to the game tonight. Somebody's got to drag you there for some you know reason for whatever that might be. Yeah. That's that's I mean that's how it starts. I was just having this conversation. I went to the Grizzlies game on Sunday, and I was sitting with people that it was their first time, and they were loving it. And I I just said, you come, and then it's it gets in your blood. If you pay attention, and then you pick up on a couple of the rules, it gets in your blood, and then you're a hockey fan. Well, I mean, you know, how hard can hockey be? The Canadians invented it. You know, give yourself some credit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, that makes it's, sense. It's, it's it's not that it's not that difficult a game. <laughs> You know, it's the blue lines and line of scrimmage. It never moves. It moves up and down in football. You figure that out. It never moves in hockey. Yeah. The puck has to go across that before uh, you do. So it's the same as football, you know, from that aspect of it. And, you know, it's, it's it's really a pretty simple game in a lot of regards. You know, the goal light goes on in the other end, you cheer. It goes on in your end, you boo. I mean, you know, <laughs> it's, 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 it's pretty basic for the most part, uh, you know, keep your stick on the ice and go hard to the net. Hasn't really changed. No, that's, except you that's can't still hook, the coach. Except, except you can't hook a guy and 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 do other things that used to be able to do to him. So, but uh, yeah, no, I was very fortunate. Uh, Chris McSorley was my coach in Toledo when we won uh, a regular season championship and two playoff, the then uh, Riley Cup after Jack Riley, who was the commissioner. It's now the Kelly Cup, which is Pat Kelly, who was the coach. Uh, for the Peoria Prancers, one of the great hockey names that I played for in the IHL. Uh, but we won back-to-back championships in Toledo in, uh, you know, 93 and 94. Uh, and Dave Elmore at the time had had the uh, Richmond Renegades. You know, uh-huh. Dave being a baseball guy, had got into hockey and ended up selling uh, Richmond and was going to start a team in Tallahassee, Florida. And uh, I used to sit next to Dave in the governor's meetings. And uh, got to be good friends with Dave, and it was, hey, what are you doing? You know, would you consider? Would you like to? And I said, well, you know, where's Tallahassee at? You know, and it's up in the Panhandle, and you know, it was when the great expansion was going on down there. You had Lafayette, you had South Carolina, you had a lot of these, you know, I won't say war memorial type buildings that were built that had funky seating or other things that were looking for additional uh, revenue, and you know, they put an ice plant in and. Like I used to tell people, you know, we're, we're, you know, we're selling beer and hitting people with sticks. Nobody gets arrested. You know, it's a, you know I gave away a mobile home in, Tal- in uh, Tallahassee at the end of the season, packed the crowd. You know, we're, you know, house on wheels. So we did a lot of things. We did a lot of things that put people in seats and, you know, was successful for a number of years and, you know, uh, eventually met its demise. And David had the uh, Denver Grizzlies, you know, in the IHL expansion. And then uh, the Nordique came. The uh, the guy that had the Nuggets and whoever the Nuggets 
ownership program was uh, bought the Nordique and uh, moved them to Colorado and basically told Dave he didn't have a place to play anymore. And that's when uh, Dave kind of came to me and said, hey, you know, would you be interested in moving somewhere? Whether it was, We looked at San Diego, we looked at San Antonio, and eventually settled on Utah because of the Olympics. Yeah. And the, the ability to manage the building and be the concessionaire and, you know, all that type of things. Uh, we played, you know, two years in the Delta Center while it was being built. And, you know, obviously you guys are familiar with the E-Center. And I, I think that building was only like $25 million. Really? You know, which by oh. today, yeah, I think it was like $25 million. Turner Construction uh, was the uh, the contractor on it, and, you know, we kind of went through it. It's a perfect hockey building. The locker rooms are great. The facilities are great. Everything I wanted in the facility from a hockey aspect, uh, I was able to get, uh, you know, right to the locker room access through the benches and, you know, all that stuff that it's, uh, it's, it's you know, one of the all-time, I think, great hockey venues regardless of whatever league it's in. Yeah, I have to agree with that. Yeah. And that's a lot yeah, of players sure. come here because, you know, if you're being recruited and you're looking around at ECHL teams, we've had a lot of players tell us that, you know, the facility, one, that it was an Olympic building and, you know, there's a lot of history there. And two, it's just, it's a, it's a great facility for hockey. Oh, no, we had, I say, we went into the Toledo Sports Arena, which was a building of about 4,800 people. And, you know, you couldn't tie your skates if, uh, next to the guy in, in the locker room and the visitors because you'd bump your heads together that was so small. So, I mean, the Toledo facility, or I mean, the uh, Salt Lake facility there is unbelievable, second to none. That's great. Um, so a- as you come in, what what did you heard about uh, the previous ownership of the Salt Lake Golden Eagles? What, I wanted to know your opinion on, on that with Larry H. Miller. Because, you know, a lot of people call him an eagle killer or whatever. Do you think it... He gave it the best well, shot. I, mean, I, I got to be good friends with Art Teese, and I, and I loved Art. You know, God rest his soul. Yeah. And he really took care of Art, and Art, you know, never paid for a ticket. And you know, I, I gave him anything he wanted whenever he wanted to come. And you know, it, there was always the underlying stories that well, Larry bought the Golden Eagles to tear down the Salt Palace because they couldn't build the Delta Center if the Eagles didn't have a home. And the minute the Eagles had a home, and he built it, you know, he ran them out of town. You know, and, you know, I, I'm sure there's some, uh, you know, certain some truth to that because he ended up selling the piece of paper. And I don't know where at the end of the day the uh, the Salt Lake piece of paper went, but it went somewhere uh, as an IHL team. And, you know, whether it was San Diego, I think it went to perhaps or something like that. Uh, but, you know, I mean, if, if they hadn't put ice in the Delta Center, we wouldn't have gone there and played for two years. I mean, we put, you know... I want to say we put like 18,000 in there against the Solar Bears yeah. for the final game. No, uh, I was there. That uh, was amazing. Gordonine uh, ripped it off Alan Bester's chest and Mark Rogers banged it home for the uh, <laughs> for the game winner. I mean, it was, you know, it was uh, it was the place to be then. Yeah. But, but yeah, I mean, you know, you, you kind of, you know, if Larry doesn't do that, there's no ice in the building and we're not there and you know, uh, I, I think you know it was basketball was a priority and hockey was a second deal. There's, there's no doubt about that. Yeah, well, and that, and that makes sense. We, under, we understood that from him. I just, I love going to the games, man. You throw the trout out there for a while until they ban yep. it. You know, it was great. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. Oh no, it was definitely a good time. That yeah. stuff got you a know, little had, crazy too with yeah, the fish, guts. the <laughs> yeah. the rats in Florida. <laughs> yeah, that got. Oh no, we had. Like I think it was our second year there. After we had won, we had Grisby repelling from the uh, mm-hmm. from the roof, uh, and his, he, he fell down and dislocated his kneecap. They wanted to cut the parachute off, and I wouldn't let him. 
Yeah. <laughs> you know, you got to wheel him to the back and get that thing off. We're going to put somebody else in that deal. I mean, this is next man up. We're not cutting the bear suit out here in front of all these kids. Come on. Show must go you home. Know? Good call. Yeah. I Good mean, call. You, know, you know, he's not doing any of that stuff. Oh, no. I mean, it was... It was certainly, you know, in building the Acord facility out there and having our locker room out there, then seeing the Steiner facilities. And, you know, you went from really having, you know, just uh, Cottonwood to having, you know, all kinds of facilities now. So yeah. really the, the the Olympics, you know, and having the Oval and all those things, the the opportunity now other than the sheer, you know, ice, ice in Arizona is about $350 an hour for ice. Wow. You know. Wow. But you know they're all private. You know they're uh, they're for profit entities. You know so there's nobody really you know underwriting the facilities. Where you know Utah now you still got municipal facilities. Hockey rinks typically will support operations, but won't pay debt service. You right. know so it, it's it's like you know they need to turn two or three times and file bankruptcy, and then somebody else takes them over, or they need to be, be municipally funded. Uh, to where they can support themselves, they can pay utilities, they can pay a manager, they can do all those things. You know, as long as you've got figure skaters in the morning and you've got public skating on, you know, Saturday afternoon and you've got hockey at 10 o'clock at night during the week, <laughs> yep. you know. You know, I mean, it's, it's one of those things, you know the amount of money you can make. You know you've got probably 18 to 20 hours of rentable ice per day. You know, some of those are at peak time, and some of those are from one to two when you have the figure skaters out there. So it's a, it's a situation that uh, you know, hockey's just an expensive game, unfortunately. Yeah, and it just keeps getting more expensive. Yeah. But which is that's a that's a tough part of it, Matt. But that's you bring up an interesting point. We complain all the time that it's. I mean, we're at 180 to 200 an yeah, hour here, right? And we feel like right. we're getting away with it when we. I can still get it from 175 an hour here in the summer, and I'm like, oh, what a deal. Sure. Oh, no, absolutely. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. What other kind of issues were you running into uh, trying to expand the game here? Because you were known for doing some pretty creative things as far as growing the game here and getting fans in the seats. What, what do you think you did then that maybe they're not doing now? Well, I, I think you've, you've got to be part of the community. My son went to, you know, my son and daughter went to school in the neighborhood, and I was out there, and I, I talked to anybody that would listen to me and, you know, I was on TV all the time. I was on the sports. I guessed this. I guessed that. Uh, you know, David Locke, uh, the old broadcaster there, that uh, he was anti-hockey, and I befriended him. And, you know, you just, you know, the, the challenge is you, you've got to be able to walk the walk and talk the talk, and you've got to be a hockey guy and 
not just the coach and be a full-time resident. And You know, I used to have the conversations with Dave Elmore, Dave Elmore all the time that, you know, Larry Miller's selling, you know, 10,000 cars a year to people. You know, and he's got the finance guy on his side. He's got the bank on his side. He's got the oil. He's got the guy selling toilet paper on his side buying season tickets. You know, we're just trying to sell hockey tickets. We have no ancillary business, which is the case in most places, that they own something else that allows them to own the local sports team that they funnel their, you know, visibility through. And we just really never had that, uh, you know, like Larry had. Wow, I never even thought about that. Yeah, me either. You know, I mean, that's that's the case with a lot of things is they've got a, you know, a, a principal business that affords them the ability to do that, uh, to expose everybody else to making sure they're buying tickets, they're buying a suite. It was like Zion's Bank. You know, if, if you want us to run our financing through your bank, you know, you should have a suite. You know, you should have this, you should have that. I've got a picture of uh, our championship win uh, on the Delta Center ice and one of the corners, they have, you know, the can signs, you know, the, over the portals. You walk through, and there's a little Caesar sign over the portal right over the top of our heads, which is being a little Caesar guy is really ironic to look back at that and go, wow, you know, was there, was there a sign or something going ahead for me being a pizza guy now? <laughs> so, yeah, that's right. So now, so at what point did you decide that you're, what happens with you in Utah? You left Utah and ended up in Arizona. Yeah, you know, it was kind of one of those that Dave really, you know, Dave uh, Elmore and Donald told really, I won't say lost interest, that may not be true, but once the Olympics came, you know, we'd won our championship, we had our rings, uh, the Dallas Stars really didn't have any interest in us being a championship team, you know, and it was kind of one of those that, you know, I don't want to move again necessarily and go somewhere else, I had a chance to go to you know, to Colorado uh, and do some stuff over there. And I, I, I wanted to be a hockey guy more than I wanted to be a sales guy. And really, if you're not an ex-NHL player to be a general manager, if you're not an attorney to be a general manager, you know, being a sales guy. You know, and uh, I was, you know, financially, Dave paid me well, and I was successful and all that. And I had worked for the Red Wings, uh, owned the farm team in uh, Toledo, where our, our NHL club, and I got to be good friends with Mr. Illich and, Jimmy Devilano and uh, we tried to get Little Caesars into the Olympic arena, and ended up talking to the guy. And he, you know, we we're talking about Little Caesars, and this was pre-hot and ready. And my brother-in-law, my wife's sister, and her husband had just moved to Phoenix, and it was, you know, you got to look at the pizza deal. And it was kind of one of those, you know, do I want to continue with hockey? I'd been in it for, you know, half of my life by then as a player or as a front office guy, and. You know, I explored the Little Caesar stuff, talked to Mr. Illich, and it was, hey, you can go do this and that. And, uh, you know, that was 18 years ago, 2002. And my brother-in-law and I uh, and our families, we had, we've had we had 11 stores. We're down, I would say we're, we're down to five now. We've sold the other ones off. I had a couple in Tucson. And, you know, the best thing about it, Jay, is it makes money while you're not there. Yeah. You know, that's, that's, that's the, the perfect thing of it. And, you know, uh, it's it's been a great opportunity for me. That's uh, I'll I'll never forget. And I tried to have him in here. I tried to have Ben Wilner in here today to help with this with this interview. He comes on every once in a while. Wilner. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have him help with the podcast every once in a while. I'll never forget. I 
you were back here, we were doing something, and Wilner was sitting you up for like, hey, do you have any like uh, gift cards or certificates or anything for right. Little Caesar? And you're like, Ben, they're five dollars. <laughs> right. Oh no, there's nobody cheaper than Wilner. You know, well, cheaper than Ben. That would be that would be the, the caveat in that deal there. So, no, it's been really good. You know, it's been really good. Uh, I have enjoyed it. It's afforded me an opportunity to be involved, and in, you know, I coach my son. Uh, through midget AAA and uh, was able to do that and all those type of things. So yeah, hockey's been you know I mean, and uh, little Caesars you know you know been very very good to me. I have no complaints. That's awesome. Uh, I, I want to give you a chance to. I, I don't know how you guys ended it with the Elmores, but my um, we've made some po- I've made some posts on the Utah Puck Reports uh, Facebook page. And we talked about, because, you know, I know for a fact that the, there are multiple NHL teams that have looked at Utah in the last two years, you know, to bring their program, their AHL program here. And I know that there's been back and forth with the Elmores, and I, and I never once said that the Elmores were dooming the process or any of that, but a lot of people are now uh, blaming the Elmores for hockey dying here, even though they're the, they're the only reason we have a team here. So... What what would you say to those people, or what would you say? I know you're not a, a big post guy, but what would your reply be to that? That as long as the Elmores are here, hockey's not going to grow any further. Well, I mean, Dave, you know, Dave and Donna used to live there and had a house uh, over in the Cottonwood area, and you know, were emotionally involved with it and everything else. And you know, things change. Dave has got to be you know, 82 or 83 now, you know, and Donna's probably, you know, early 70s, mid-70s. Yeah. You know, I've been out of there 18 years. I mean, it's one of those that, you know, Dave's the concessionaire, Dave's the manager. I know, uh, you know, up 10 years ago, he sold part of the franchise to the city of West Valley, or they took it in lieu of whatever, whatever, whatever the principal procedure was to ensure there would be a team. So if you bring an NHL team in there with their, you know, Vegas would obviously be the ideal tenant. Yeah. You know, they're in Chicago now, so it'd be easy to have a... But then what what does Dave do with his piece of paper? Because he and I had had that conversation here a few years ago, is where would you put it? And, you know, I did a little legwork for him, and uh, there really weren't many locations that were open that made financial sense, you know, that... Uh, you could do it. So, because I mean, that the, the East Coast League piece of paper that's there now is the Tallahassee Tiger Sharks. Right. That was that was the making whoopee after the Tiger Sharks folded, uh, and it was in hiatus for a year. Then you know Dave moved it there. So I mean, I, I think it's kind of one of those. Unless somebody came in and made him a deal that he couldn't refuse with the city and you know everything else, uh, you know, doesn't make any sense to you know. And you have to have a wholly owned subsidiary because we went through this with the Islanders. We went through this with Mike Milbury, and well, you know, we're in the you know we're in the same business you are. We're here to sell tickets and make money for our owners and provide championship players for our fans. Well, Dallas didn't see it that way. You know, the Islanders didn't see it that way, and the American Hockey League at times, when I sat in the board meetings, didn't see it that way. Well, you're a developmental league. Yeah. Well, yeah, not at the expense of sucking. You know, <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, it it takes a I, toll I mean, on the, it, it takes a toll on the fan base. Well, it, it's 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 imagine going to a dealership and Jay, I need you to buy a car. Okay. Well, how many doors is it going to have? Well, at least two, maybe four. What color is it going to be? Well, it might be red. It might be blue. You know, I'm not sure, but I need you to buy it from me. 
well, is it going to have good gas mileage? Well, I, you know, it'll get you around. That's what you're selling season tickets as a minor league hockey guy. Yeah. You know, who's going to be here next year? Well, you know, we're going to have a bunch of guys with sticks and skates. Are you going to be any good? Well, you know, here's what, you know what I mean? It's, you know, it's, it's really, you know, the East Coast League, I think, is easier because the guys aren't making any money. They're happy to go to the booster club. They're happy to go to the banquets. They're happy to go to the, uh, the events where we had Todd Bertuzzi there making a million dollars a year with the Islanders. Couldn't get him out of his house. You know, he didn't want to be there. Yeah. You know, Tommy Salo didn't want to be there. They wanted to be back in the island. You know, I mean, Kip Miller didn't want to be there. You know, they were there as a means to an end. We're an East Coast Hockey League guy. You know, two or three of them will get out, but most of them don't. They're there to marry the Budweiser distributor's daughter. You know, <laughs> you know. I mean, that's that's why they're there. I mean, you know, at, at the end of the day, it's the I'm putting off reality for a while and, you know, playing hockey. You know, it's, it's like the old slap shot. You know, Chrysler plant, here I come. Yeah. You know, nobody, nobody, you know, nobody cheers for you there, so... You know that that's kind of the whole scenario. I, I think the East Coast League, in a lot of ways, is is better. We really looked hard uh, at the Western uh, Canadian Junior Hockey League when uh, when the IHL was folding and the American League wanted us in, and it was a million dollar uh, franchise fee where you paid a hundred grand for ten years, is what the American Hockey League deal was. And unfortunately, the Canadian Junior they wanted like two and a half million dollars. Because you had Spokane, I mean, I think Utah would have been a great Canadian Junior League because those guys, you're paying them nothing, and you're still selling, you know, premium price tickets, and you got guys that are going to play in the National Hockey League as junior players that would have had a little more sex appeal, but, you know, they really weren't sure. They wanted Boise and us to come, and Boise was having a tremendous amount of success in the West Coast League at that time, and... uh you know, it really just didn't quite pencil out timing-wise. Yeah, that's unfortunate because that's come up with other people as well. That it, it almost happened back then. Rumors are it's, it's about to happen again with Ogden possibly joining. Um, well, I'm, I mean, a, a Canadian major junior franchise is like 5 or $6 million. Canadian, yeah. you know, which is, you know, a buck <laughs> fifty U.S., but still a lot of money. Yeah, no, I get that. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's still a significant amount of money. So, but uh, no, I, I think you know the East Coast League and you know the Elmores and all that have done everything they can. And I know Kevin Bruder and Jared Youngman are doing a good job there. Given, you know, uh, you can't really play on Sundays. You can't really play on Mondays. I think you know what is Sunday and Monday are empty red seat night there. I mean, you know, it's it's just yeah. you know they're not coming to support you unless it's Friday and Saturday and. You know, uh, maybe you play Wednesday night. That was our biggest challenge, was seeing the same team two nights in a row. Does anybody care the second night unless you had the ambulance and the sheriff's there the first night? Right. <laughs> and we, it's funny that you mentioned that because we just had that with the past two series the Grizzlies had at home. It got heated right away, and that lit up the Internet, and then more people went. And then I went on Sunday, and nobody was there. Right. For the same, well, I mean, was I, great hockey, great intense hockey. Yeah, I don't think the church likes you playing on Sunday, though. No. I mean, <laughs> we don't, don't tell them. We don't tell them. Just you know, play. I remember Larry Larry Miller back in the day having to stand in the hallway when the Jazz were in the NBA playoffs because he couldn't go in the building, but yet he could be there if he wasn't there to watch the game type deal. So, yeah, I don't think Sunday's a very popular day there for at least entertainment and hockey-wise. No, I, I agree. It's, and it's unfortunate because it's, for me, as a non-religious person, 
it's I got that whole day free. Right. I would love, and that's oh, no, I absolutely. thought it was awesome to go to a game. Yeah, it was perfect. <laughs> right. Besides my oh, men, no, men's league, you know, the <laughs> Sunday afternoon hockey game is a great opportunity. You know, it works everywhere else in the country for the most part, except you know, you know, Salt Lake. So, but uh, yeah, I mean, you know, we were you know optimistic about Utah, you know, building the building and having the rink and controlling the revenue streams, and I think for the most part, it's certainly been successful. Uh, you know, Utah wants you to win. You know, if you can't win. You know they're going to find a reason not to come see you. I mean, it's 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 probably that simple. Yeah, it's uh, we have Jordan Preezy on the show quite a bit. Who was a he was a goalie that he played a little bit in the NHL, and and Zach Preezy is his younger brother. But oh, uh, yeah, North North Dakota guy. Yeah, 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 North Dakota guy exactly. So. I, I just remember uh, he's been a close His friend of mine for was years. Better than he was, wasn't he? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we don't we don't bring that up with him. But I, I remember him calling me. He was so frustrated because he was told by management like, he was working through some things and he was really upset about wins and losses. And he was and the literally the management in the AHL told him like, look, we we're more worried about you in the process. Like we want you to lose games. We like we want you to go through this process. We're more worried about that than wins and losses. You need to figure that out. And he's like, I can't wrap my mind around that. I, yeah. Like I have to win, or I realize or I'm not well, doing my no. job. It's it's they want you to develop in those minor leagues. Well, they don't really care. You're an investment for them, and you know we were paying the Dallas Stars fifty thousand dollars a guy and got Gregor Baumgartner. <laughs> you know, so I mean, you know, you, 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 you know, I mean, you got Greg Hook, Greg Hawkwood on one end, which was great, but then you got, you know, uh, some of the other lesser guys. I remember when uh, Smurf called me when I was living here in Phoenix, and he was coaching the Grizzlies in the Coast League, and they were playing the Roadrunners, and he said, "Hey, I, you know, my goalie got hurt. I need a guy to come sit on the bench." You know, and wrap a towel around, which I had no problem with. I mean, I, you know, like I said, I'm I'm pretty good in a slideshow. I went out to warm up. And the other guy says, well, I'm not warming up. I said, what do you mean you're not warming up? You're the guy getting paid. I'm not, you know, I'm not, you know, I played two games in a row. I stood out there in warm-ups and, you know, didn't move and let guys zip them over my shoulder for 15 minutes. And, yeah. you know, went and, went and assumed my position on the bench and donated my check, uh, which I don't know if I ever saw, to uh, the Halloween party for the boys. Yeah, so, if it was Smurf, I mean, if it was Smurf, you didn't see the check. <laughs> Yeah, him and uh, Greg Spenrath, I think, was the assistant at that time. So. Oh, wow. But, uh, you know, hockey's come, you know, I, I won't say full circle in Utah, but, uh, you know, certainly you've got a diehard, you know, 1,500, you know, every night, snowstorm or not, that are coming. But you need, you know, an extra. you got to put five in that building on, a, on an average, I would assume, to not necessarily to break, you know, make money, but probably to break even. I mean, I, you know, based on travel and, you know, a hockey sticks $200 now. A pair of hockey skates are $800. Yeah. You know, what, I mean, it's just, uh, you know, financially, it's it's a struggle. What would you do right now to put seats, to, to fill those seats? you have any, you have any, well, any suggestions? You know, I mean, yeah. I, I, I mean, I'm not sure even what Dave's charging for ticket prices, but it's it's almost got to be the Little Caesars mantra that, you know, uh, do you want to sell, you know, 10,000 tickets at a dollar or 1,000 tickets at $10? You no, know, no. if you're the concessionaire and you're getting parking, you want to sell 10,000 tickets at a dollar and create a scenario that has, you know, uh, entertainment, it has noise, it has the place to be, it's, you know, whatever. But if the ticket doesn't have a value, are you going to come? You know, I, I don't know where that line, you know, the line of demarcation crosses that is a five dollar ticket and you can put 
you know, 10,000 people in there every night at a $5 ticket? Or are you better off just selling a $10 ticket and getting your 1,000 people, you know, where that line? I mean, we were getting, you know, I want to say 35 bucks a ticket on the glass and 25 for the third row and, you know, 15 or 20 between the blue lines back in the American League and IHL days that, uh, you know, yeah. We were able to get that, and that was, you know, we had ex-NHL guys, current NHL guys coming back and forth. But, uh, I'm not, I mean, you know, we did some, uh, you know, uh, focus groups and some other things back in the day. But, you know, I, I would say if you, you'd want to go out with your season ticket program and, you know, really almost have it as a voucher that's good for any game, for any seat. And, you know, you can take 20 people to one game or go to 20 different games, you know, huh. and... and you know, my, my fear was I'd walk into a guy's office and he'd open his drawer and he'd pull out a pack of season tickets and fan them out and go, I couldn't give them away. You know, and that's where we always, you know, that every ticket never lost its value, that you could redeem a ticket for any future game of a, of a similar ticket. I assume they're still doing that, you know. I'm yeah. not sure. I, I you know, think we've, but I assume, we've seen some. I, I, assume that's, you know, I assume the ticket always has a value and, you know, it was one of those, I always had a thing at the box office. If somebody shows up at the box office and says, Tim Mauser left me a seat, give him a ticket. Because I probably did. I just didn't <laughs> think about it. No. You know, you know, I don't need somebody coming, you know, whether I met him at the grocery store or met him, you know, up on uh, the ski lift or something. It's, you know, you need to get people to the venue. They need to be entertained. And, you know, as you, know, as you guys are hockey players, you know, it's, it's hard to convince people that you don't have to be an expert to understand. I mean, look at all the politicians out there. They don't know what the hell they're doing. They're still politicians. You can go be a hockey fan and not know the game. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You know, and a lot of people, you know, they're pinching pennies and stuff like that. You know, some people are real cheap and stuff. You got to pay for parking now at the Maverick Center. You know, it's, it used to be free. You just go to the game, yeah, and go I, in. Wilner sent me a picture. The Tim Mauser parking spots finally <laughs> faded away. It was like a bad dream. They kept paving over and it kept coming back up through the asphalt or yeah. something. I don't know. Yeah, it Would did forever. Ghost story. Yeah. Uh, ghost story. But, you know, it's, it's, they just have to create opportunity and, and winning solves that. You know, I mean, I know they've got, you know, dollar hot dogs and dollar beers and those things that we never did back in the day. Uh, we never did bring back the uh, bikini night. equals bikini time. We never, I, that was the one I thing I just it. wouldn't do. I just wouldn't do it because it's it's one of those. It, it may get you one game, but at the end of the day, the family and whatever and all that stuff, you yep. just couldn't trust. Uh, you know that you were going to get the best of uh, participants. Let me say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I, I was a part of that a lot with as I was worked with the other radio station that I worked with back in the day that had lower integrity <laughs> standards. Yes, that's perfect. And we were big on that night, and that's yeah, we were right. yeah. It was. Uh, it is one of those questions, and it, it it actually still comes up a lot when you talk to people about it because they knew that night right. sold out. But how many fans did you turn away that night because they don't they don't want to be a part of that stuff? Yeah, that's right. that's oh, one of those you know, line of de- demarcations that you were talking about. There's there's the dichotomy there. Do you sell out that night and turn real fans away, or turn a real family away? Yeah, and, you know, I don't think Utah's the market that really wants to focus on that. That was always kind of the, uh, you know, it was the the fighting and those type of things. And, you know, that it's part of the game, and it's going to be part of the game. It's not really part of the game in the NHL because you have to be able to skate now. But yet, you know, it's, at the end of the day, it still sells tickets. You yeah. know, it's, it's part of the deal. 
it's definitely part of the deal. Yeah. So, it's like now you know, Star I, Wars I, night is like the biggest night, right? Yeah. yeah. Star Wars night's huge. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, which I would never have guessed that 20 years ago. But yet, you know, I mean, it's uh, they've reinvented themselves. They've gone back to the start uh, before there was even a movie. Yeah. <laughs> right. yeah. yeah. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Well, Tim, I, I've always wanted to have you on the show and, and talk. I knew I knew you'd have a lot of insight that the rest of us just don't have. Like I, you know, I've been a part of thanks to you and calling me up as an e bug. You were the first one that gave me my opportunity there. Well, you're, well, well you're the only guy that had gear today. Exactly. I mean, you know, a lot of guys. There's, you know, don't confuse yourself, Jay. There's a lot of guys that own equipment that aren't goalies. Yeah. <laughs> you know? well, just I, because you own goalie equipment doesn't make you a goalie. That's true. You know, it makes you a guy who owns goalie equipment. And I'm available. That'd be me too. Those were the two <laughs> yeah, things. Yeah. I had equipment and I was available. Yeah, those and that's that's a big part of it. That's yeah. a big part of it, you know. And I, I mean that uh, You told me that you know one of the days I was I, I e bugged when we were in the AHL and I was walking out and you're like, What are you doing? Where well, there's a tip of grizz or whatever, you're supposed to be upstairs. I'm like, I'm not really on the team and he's like You told me I can't remember exactly what you said, but like nobody else knows that. You gotta go sell the image. You gotta sell like sell the dream. <laughs> And I'm like, you want me yeah, to go upstairs absolutely. and wait tables as an e-bug? Like, get up there. Sure. Hey, you know, I mean, you're going to make some kid's day. He doesn't know. I mean, he's got you scribble your name on a puck. He's not going to be sure who it is in 10 years. All he knows is he's got a puck with a grizzly autograph for him. So. That's right. You know, that's well, the beauty of it. It's a, it's it's been fun, man, and, and like I said, you gave me the opportunity, and uh, 20 years later, I'm still doing it, and I'm still trying to learn, and uh, I try to still information and drills and you know just knowledge from all the coaches that have been through here and and from the general managers i mean i've i've learned a ton from your lessons and i hope that uh this podcast today is i mean you've given a lot of insights so that's like we can we grow it's a great market you know and i i went back there i'd probably been gone five or six years and i went back for a, a game my son played uh, somewhere up there, and we were walking through the building, and two or three people stopped me for my autograph. And he looked at me and go, "Why do they want your autograph?" <laughs> said, well, you know, you, you know, you got a good point with that, but you know, I mean, that uh, I mean, I, I used to go to the you know stand up there like the Walmart greeter. I had a I had a pocket full of lapel pins, so I put a lapel pin on a grizzly lapel pin. I'd shake a guy's hand, I'd give him my lapel pin. He'd go, oh, "Great!" I reach in my pocket and put another. I never gave him the one out of my pocket. I gave him the one off my lapel. You know, because it meant more to him that it was mine than it was just one, you know, in my pocket. And I always had a lot of people tell me that. I go around and stick six or seven pucks in my pocket before the game and, you know, hand them out to kids. You know, hey, here's a puck, you know, game notes, those type of things that, you know, the same people you meet on the way up are the same ones you meet on the way down. And, you know, you got to kind of be the Walmart greeter and be everything to everybody because you're the only experience they're going to have. You're the first line of, who they are, and I never sat in a suite. I sat down, you know, at ice level by the goal, and if you wanted to at me, you could. You could find me, and, you know, I, I never really hid from anybody and was around, and, you know, I think that went a long way uh, with my relationship with the fans, and, you know, we were good, and we won, and Butch was great, and Bob Bourne was great, and, you know, even Don Hay was great for the most part once, you know, I got him going, so uh, I, I have nothing but fond memories of Utah. That's awesome, and and Don Hay is now a part of the Portland Winterhawks and is coaching a Utah kid right now, and it's it's nice. yeah it's it's funny to to hear stories. Uh, Mason Manick is playing there, and I hear Mason talk about you know getting off the ice with Don, and I remember those days. I remember Don coming to me and saying, "Hey, can you get some fire hose? Because I need uh, he puts fire hose on the ice and makes you skate laps around it." 
And he had yep. a, he, he was a he's just he, you had so many legends here that are still you know you, you throw those names around Butch Goring and well, uh, the, the, the just I mean I still I I saw Richard Shaky Krause I, I drove down <laughs> to Tucson to see him when they were in town the Iowa Wild and my son coaches wide receivers now at Iowa State he's a football guy and uh, Shaky's coaching the Iowa Wilds so I got to see him again uh, a month ago when I was in town for a football game so. You know, there's a lot of people still kicking around out there. I see Butch Goring every time the Islanders come in. He gets me a press pass, and I go out there. And Dean Schnaus with uh, Carolina now. So, I mean, there's still a lot of guys that have come through that uh, are still involved with hockey. So, it's I think, you know, everybody liked Utah. I don't think I've ever talked to anybody that didn't like Utah. Yeah, well, it's... It's we talk about it all the time. Is that players come here and either they love it here and they marry our women and they stay and then they become coaches or you know they tell other people like undercover, like Utah is an Rod, amazing Rod place to Miller. play. Rod Miller's still kicking around there, isn't he? I'm pretty sure I saw him on Sunday, but yeah, he is. I think I saw him at the game. I was gonna right. go, I was gonna go right. down and talk to him, but uh, yeah, Rod Miller's still here and uh, yeah, like you said, and we've got the legends of you guys like you and Shaky still. <laughs> There you go. That's the difference, though, between uh, hockey and basketball. You know, the 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 basketball guys. <laughs> hey, I had John Stockton driving the uh, Zamboni during the lockout. I yeah. remember we that. Appeal, we, we tried to appeal to everybody. He'd show up halfway through the first period and leave halfway through the third after he drove the Zamboni. He loved it. He yeah, was crazy. My friend, uh, my my best friend at the time was um, he he was a sales guy there and uh, trying trying to win a ring after of course they already won the ring oh yeah <laughs> but uh, we went out and practiced uh one night and uh john stockton and his family were out there skating around oh no he, he hit his wife one night skating and put uh, cut her for like 20 stitches over the eye you know oh, and didn't, stop, didn't stop didn't stop playing yeah. you know, oh no he was he was crazy love he it. loved it though that, see, loved that's it. i love that and people around here need to know that it's, yeah for sure those are cool stories all right, Tim. Absolutely. We appreciate you being on the show. Yeah, um, thank you. You know, and uh, Tim, if you want to hear more more stuff, all you got to do is go to kslsports dot com and and look for podcasts, or you can text the word puck to five seven five hundred, and then you'd be subscribed to this show. I will do that and keep Wilner in line. Uh, you know, he needs somebody to watch after him. Yeah, I'm sure. I've been trying for twenty years. I don't know. He's he's <laughs> he's crazy. He's a he's a men, right, men's fellas. league legend. All right, thank oh, you. Without a doubt. All right, right, guys. Thanks. Appreciate it. Thanks so much. That's the Utah Puck Report.